We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. Oh man, I can't believe I get to preach after that. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. This sermon can't suck. You can, that's amazing, man. That's just so good what God's doing. And man, if you're new with us, you just need to know that we are a, a, a church full of people that are just so grateful for what God has done in our lives and what he's doing in our church. We don't take it for granted. There are a lot of churches uh, in, in, in our country that would kill to experience what we experienced in one day. They, they'd love to experience it in a year. And God's just moving here. And so we don't take it for granted. We're grateful, we're grateful. And we're grateful that you're here. If it's your first time here, or if it's your first time in a long time, it takes a lot of courage to walk through those doors for the first time. So church, can we put our hands together and welcome anybody who's here for the first time or the first time in a long time? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. That's good. And man, God, God is just doing such a powerful uh, thing in our church right now as we've been working through this, this series in January. This year, I will build a better marriage. We've been circling around marriage and asking God to build our marriages. If you're not married, to prepare you for marriage. And God's moving in a powerful way. He did it again last service. We're gonna wrap up this series today. So let's not waste any time. Let's get to it, all right? Turn around, give some people some love. Hug five people. Hug five people. Tell them they look good. I didn't say handshake five people, I said hug five people. Tell them they look good. I'm trying to set you single guys up. <laughs> I love you. Man. So good, so good. You do look good today. You look good because you made it here in person. I'm gonna call out. Hey, if you're joining us online and you're just like checking church out, like, you know, that's like the... The, the way to use church online is to like use it to make sure it's not a crazy church before you attend. But I know there's a lot of people watching online that they let, they actually come here a lot, but they let 0.75 inches of snow in Colorado keep them home. <laughs> Shame on you, you lazy people. No, I'm kidding, we love you, come back next week. This week we judge you. Um, we are thrilled to have you with us today. I wanna give you a couple things on your radar. I told y'all last week that this was gonna be a big Sunday. And uh, I think we could call it quits right now and go home and we would say it was a big Sunday. It's just beautiful. Beautiful what God's doing in our church. And um, just, I, I hope that if you're here and you're giving financially and you're sacrificing to build this place, I'm praying that what we experience today just encourages you that God's got us on a great track. What we're building together is just so special. So let's keep going. Next Sunday is another big Sunday like every Sunday, but the, uh, next Sunday we got um, two things I wanna call your attention to. We got culture class starting next week. Culture class is our three-week experience that helps you kind of kick the tires on this place, ask questions, learn more about our vision and our mission. Um, and then bigger than that, really helps you get connected to other people that are calling Peak City home and, um, and, and, and get connected to small groups and serving opportunities and all that. And so if you haven't been through culture class yet, sign up on the website. It's during the 9 a.m. service, three weeks in a row. And now here's the deal. If you're the type of person, and I know you're out there because I am like you, when anyone tells me to do anything, I say no. Especially if everybody's doing it, I'm for sure out, okay? And so if that's you, I'm gonna tell you because we are brothers from different mothers, get over yourself and go to culture class, all right? Get over it and you will benefit a ton from it. Raise your hand if you've been through culture class in the room. 
Yeah, 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 tons of people in the room. So just find those people to raise their hand, go ask them how it was, sign up, and it, it has the power to change your life. Also, next Sunday, we got a special guest in the house. Uh, my good friend Kyle Veach is gonna be with us preaching. And if you were here a couple years ago, he was actually the first guest preacher we ever had in this building when we launched it. And so we would love to have you join us. Kyle's an awesome dude, funny guy, uh, but really just has a heart for God and uh, cannot wait for you to hear from him next Sunday. Invite a friend, be here. Then last thing I wanna say, put on your radar. All right, we've been in this marriage series for four weeks now. This is, long, this is the longest we've talked about one topic, I think, in our church's history. We are really, really digging into this thing. And, but even, even then, I still know that with four weeks, I can't give you everything that you need to go build a better marriage. There's a reason that the, that the series is titled, This Year I Will Build a Better Marriage, Not This Month. Okay, this is meant to be the starter pack to kind of get you going, but I know I can't cover everything. And so if you have more questions, um, we have a resource page for you, peakcityco.com slash marriage. Um, but also within that page, you can sign up for a marriage mentor. There's a cool program we're offering. We've got several couples in our church that are godly couples, have been through a lot, have great wisdom and experience. And so if you're going through a hard situation, and you just need someone to come alongside you to process with, to be a listening ear, or to give good godly counsel, um, you can sign up for a marriage mentor on our website. It's a great opportunity. It's free. You show me another organization out there that's trying to help your marriage for free. You can sign up and, and, and get connected with a great godly couple that has the power to change your life, all right? So make sure you visit our website, peakcityco.com slash marriage. Get help if you need it, all right? If you have a Bible, go ahead and get to Ecclesiastes chapter four. All right, Ecclesiastes four is where we are going to be today. Let me give you a little recap. Um, for those of you that are joining us uh, for the first time, we've been talking about how to build a better marriage. Week one, we talked about the current state of marriage, sex, relationships, dating, and all of it in our country. And, and, and we talked about how data has now proven that the way our world is teaching us to approach marriage is not working. In fact, the, the, the data overwhelmingly shows that our normal cultural approach to marriage, sex, dating, relationships is hurting us. We are the lab rats in a big experiment, and the data is not encouraging. And so we said week one, if you want to build a better marriage, you got to humble yourself and realize that you don't know how to do it. <laughs> you don't know how to build this better marriage or else you would already have it. You need to humble yourself and ask God to guide you, to ask God to show you the ancient path to build a better marriage. Week two, we talked about this juicy word, submits. We talked about how the word submit has been weaponized for so many years in a, in a horrible way when really, when you look at the original meaning of the word, it just meant to put under, and to put under means to lift up. And if you really wanna build a better marriage, you need to lift up your spouse. And it's not just wives to husbands, it's back and forth. We actually lift everyone up. If you, if, if, if you wanna build a powerful, good marriage, you need to lift each other, encourage each other. And that love will cover a multitude of marital sins, okay? That love will actually help your marriage flourish. And then last week, we talked about sex. We talked about how sex is this powerful, powerful gift that God has given us to build a marriage, but it's also powerful enough to destroy a marriage. And if you wanna build a good marriage, you better get your sex life figured out. You, you, you better learn how to respect it, contain it, and ignite it, right? Now today, we're gonna wrap it up with one last direction for you to go, one last um, um, bit of biblical wisdom for you to implement in, in, in your effort this year to go from here and go build a better marriage. But I'm gonna warn you, today what I'm gonna ask you to do and what the Bible is going to teach us to do, it is counterintuitive. It is not what you think you should do in order to solve your marriage problems. It actually doesn't even feel like it relates to it. You know, like I was, I was processing this uh, today and I was like, man, you know, like when, you, when you're trying to lose weight 
and, uh, and, and you're trying to get your diet locked in, and, and you feel hungry, right, really, really hungry. Talk to any fitness coach, any nutrition expert out there. When you feel hungry, they're gonna tell you to do something that actually does not make sense. They're gonna tell you not to eat. They're gonna tell you to drink water. <laughs> and it's like, there's one thing I don't wanna do right now, it's drink water. <laughs> but that's what your body needs, right? It's, it's, it's counterintuitive. If you're trying to build muscle, right, you're trying to lift weights, you're trying to get swole, and like you're lifting, but you're not seeing the gains, you think that what you need to do is get in the weight room earlier and work out longer and add more weights when really a, a, a weightlifting coach would actually ask you not about how much you're lifting, they'd ask you about how much you're sleeping. They'd say, if you really wanna increase, you need to actually, you think you need this, but you really need this. I'm telling you today, you think you need this when it comes to building a better marriage, but God is gonna reveal to us today that you really need this, okay? And it's an ancient path. Y'all ready to go down the ancient path one last time? Come on, man. Let's finish January strong. Let's let God do something special in us today. Let's go down and ask God to show us the ancient path, to show us the way to build a better marriage. Are you ready to dig deeper on this one? Okay. Tina's ready. Appreciate you, Tina. Ecclesiastes chapter four. It's a weird verse. I'm gonna read you a weird verse today. If you didn't grow up in church, if you didn't grow up reading the Bible, you're gonna be like, huh? I'm gonna explain it to you because when I first heard it, because I didn't grow up in church, I didn't grow up reading the Bible, I didn't grow up with the ambitions to be a pastor. When I first read it, I was kind of like, huh? But you're gonna see that it's gonna unlock something that you desperately need to build a better marriage. Ecclesiastes chapter four, we start in verse nine. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone, pity the fool who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how will one... How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now pause. It's a book of ancient biblical poetry written by King Solomon. It's a little out there. And when I first had this verse uh, read to me, I first had this verse taught to me, I was, I was 18 years old. Uh, my, wife, my, my now wife and I had just started dating. We've been uh, together for a long time. And uh, we started dating as, as, as little youth group kids, little youth group kids. And um, I had just come to faith recently. And so I was just hearing the Bible for the first time. And I heard this passage and I thought, you know what? I understand the first part, right? Two are better than one. I had read the New Testament's teachings where Paul says singleness is to be preferred if possible, right? If you can contain your passions and contain your urges, then stay single and just build the church. But y'all know it's very, very few people can do that. And so I read this, I'm like, King Solomon knows he's not one of those people who can do that, right? He's like, two are better than one. It's, a, it's much easier to warm up next to a, a significant other at night than it is to warm up next to a big body pillow, all right? Two are better than one. If one person falls, someone's there to pick. I, I, I get that. that. That all made sense to me. But then I read that last line. It says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And, and I gotta, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. When I first heard that, I thought, oh no. Have I joined a cult? Are they about to teach polygamy? <laughs> My first thought was, what have I done? <laughs> so many sister wives jokes, but I'm not going to make them. Um, but like a quarter of three strands, I thought we were talking about two people. It says a quarter of three strands is not quickly broken. And, and, and obviously what was taught is that the third strand is not another spouse. The third strand is God. Right, that if you really want your relationship to be strong, if you really want to build a better marriage, you can't do it without the inclusion of God. That in order for your marriage to you know, achieve its optimal 
um, um, optimal status. You actually can't do it without God. You need a third strand in the mix. And so it was taught to me this way, and this was early on in our dating relationship that, 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 that I began to view relationships like this, that it starts out with just you and your significant other, and it's just one connection, right? It's you and your significant other. And y'all are working so hard to build that relationship, and you just wanna get closer and closer and closer and closer, right? And there's a lot of ways you can do this, right? You can go to marriage counseling, which I highly recommend, you can um, learn each other's love languages, right? You take the five love languages test and figure out that every male's love language in the room is physical touch. And then women, there's five options. <laughs> I'm kidding. I said I wasn't gonna feed into sexual stereotypes at the beginning of the series, but come on. You can do Enneagram tests where you learn just how wicked your spouse can be when they're at their worst, right? If you're married to an eight or a three, good luck. I've taken the test multiple times. I've been an eight in one season and a three in the next. Good luck, Britt. There's a lot of things you can do to grow this thing closer together, right? But you can only get so far. You can only make your marriage so tight. What you really need is you need God in the equation. And I, I was always told to view your marriage as a triangle. You've got you and your significant other, and you've got God at the top. And, 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 and really what I've observed in my own marriage and what I've observed in the marriages of people that I've counseled for the past 16, 17 years in ministry is that the closer you get to God, the closer you actually get to each other. That if you will grow, if, if, if each of you will individually focus on your relationship with God and you'll grow closer to him, you'll actually grow closer to each other. And I've also seen the opposite to be true. That, that in, in most cases, the further you get from God, the further you're gonna get from each other. The further you grow from him, the more you walk away from him, the more you ignore his reality, the more you ignore his teachings, the further you're going to get from your spouse. And so this is the counterintuitive approach that you need to hear today, that God sent me here to tell you, but it's gonna sound so weird. What I'm telling you is, is that if you want to grow together, you must grow individually. I know it's probably not what you expect me to say. Like, Here's how to flourish in your love with, with each other. I'm telling you, if you want to have a better, mar- a, 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 a better marriage, you might need to stop focusing so much on your marriage. <laughs> Welcome to how to have a better marriage this year. You actually need to grow individually. If you want to be better together, you need to be better, you, you, you need to be, be better apart. You need to be better individually. If you want to grow together, you got to grow individually. And, and, and here's the deal. The more, the more you grow close to God the better spouse you will become as a byproduct. I've seen it time and time again, but a good preacher has to have a Bible verse to back it up, and I got one for you. Galatians chapter five, Paul says as much. I want you to, I want you to hear what he says it's like to be close to God, to be walking with Jesus, versus not being close to God and walking away from him. And I want you to tell me which one sounds like a good, thriving marriage, and which one sounds like Judge Judy in divorce court. Galatians chapter five says, so I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is, which is, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. Pause for a second. Every single person in this room, you have a default tendency, the Bible calls it your sinful nature, to do what is wrong, even when you know it's wrong. And, and when, when people get weird about like, man, I thought humans were good deep down, I'm like, man, like, be honest with yourself. How many times in your life have you known the right thing to do and you're like, ah, I'm gonna pass on that. (laughs) 
Or you're like, man, I know that's a really bad thing to do. And deep down you're like, but I want to do it. The Bible says you have a sinful nature inside of you and it is constantly, constantly, constantly at war with the spirit of God in you that wants to lead you to life to the full. That's the, that's the tension point. This is what causes every marriage to crumble is that both people are actually in conflict within themselves. And he says this, he says, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Here it is. Here's what it's like to, to, to not be close to God. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. <sighs> How many marriages have you seen end because of hatred, discord, jealousy, sexual immorality, impurity, selfish ambition, fits of rage. Come on, we just described every episode of Judge Judy if you grew up in the 80s and 90s. Every divorce court is laced with stories that involve these. The further you walk away from God, the more you're gonna let the sinful nature rule your life. He says, but, but on the contrary, he says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he says, here it is. The fruit of the spirit though is this. Here's what it's like to walk closely with Jesus. It's love and joy and peace and forbearance and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. My God, it sounds like a marriage that's about to celebrate, that's about to have a blessed evening together. They just walked out of counseling and the counselor said, you thrive and you're doing great because you guys are filled with love. You're filled with patience. You're filled with kindness and compassion towards each other. This is what it's like to follow Jesus. It says the fruit of the Spirit. Notice it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It's not, it's not plural, it's singular. You come alongside Jesus, you walk, you grow close to him, you're gonna be abounding in love, abounding in patience. You're gonna be a better husband. You're gonna be a better wife. You're gonna be a better parent. It's the natural outpouring of being close to him. You grow closer to God, you will be a better spouse. If you wanna grow together, you must grow individually. And so what I'm telling you today is that you, and make no mistake about it, all cards on the table, you need to reprioritize the important relationships in your life. I'm telling you, if you want to be, if you want to build a better marriage, your marriage doesn't need to be the most important relationship in your life. You're like, dang it, I brought my spouse here, hoping I get some brownie points for being at church during a marriage series, and you telling me I shouldn't work. I'm telling you, you need to reprioritize it's not that it's not important, but you have let it become too important. My, uh, my, my wife is working on priorities with, my, with, with our kids right now. We've got three kids, 11, 8, and 6. And so she's got these chores that she's trying to, like chore chart. We've got a chore chart in the kitchen. And they've got to check off their chores all the time. And, and sure enough, they have to have them all done by Sunday. Friday, Saturday hits, and they don't have any of their chores done. Right? And so Brittany's trying to work on it with them, be like, hey, you know, you can't go play video games. You can't go hang out with your friends. You can't even do your homework until you get your chores done. It is now priority. And our kids are fighting it tooth and nail. They're like, mom, I can't do my homework before my chores. No, 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 because you waited till Friday, Saturday to do your chores. It is now more important. Mom, I can't go hang out with my friends. Like, mom, do you want me to be like socially awkward? I need friends. Like, you, you can get friends later. <laughs> You're gonna have to deal with some social awkwardness now. You gotta do your chores. You need to reprioritize. You need to reprioritize. I'm telling you right now, your relationship with God needs to be priority. I had a friend, a mentor who used to check in on me. He actually still checks in on me all the time. He actually just checked in on me right in between services. I got a message from him. 
And the question he asks me at all times, the very first thing he will check in on me about is not, are you being a good dad right now? It's not, are you being a good husband right now? It's not, hey, are, how, how, how's your church? How's your preaching? The number one question he asks is, how are you in Jesus? How are you in your relationship with God? You feeling close to him right now? It's the number one, number one thing he says. And, and, and there's this phrase that he's always imprinted, this, this concept that he's always imprinted on me and it has stuck with me and has convicted me over the past 20 plus years of following Jesus. And, and, and it's this idea of what is your primary responsibility? In fact, the first time he, he, he described this to me over lunch, he said, Petey, I want you to fill in the blank for me. Here, here's, 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 here's the sentence in the blank. My primary responsibility today is to blank. Now you fill in that blank with something, right? And, and here's the deal. Every day you answer this, either consciously or subconsciously. My primary responsibility today is to, and so many of you will fill it in with very, very noble things, right? My primary responsibility today is to be a good mom, to be a good Dad, and so you're gonna spend your time accordingly, right? You're gonna invest in your children. You're gonna pray extra hard before you walk in the house after getting home from work because you don't wanna take your work stress out on them. You're gonna be intentional and focused on being a good parent. That's your primary responsibility. For some of you, your primary responsibility coming out of this series is you wanna be a good, faithful spouse. That's, that's beautiful. That's noble. Some of you, I think many of us, our subconscious answer to this is my primary responsibility today is to provide for my family, that's the subconscious answer. And that's why you answer emails at all hours of the night. And that's why you're on your phone texting your coworkers when your kids are wanting your attention. And that's why at dinner when your spouse is trying to connect with you, you can't stay focused because you keep checking your phone because your primary responsibility is to provide for your family. And all of those are good and noble things. It's beautiful. And they're all wrong. They're all wrong. Friends, when you read scripture, when you read the Bible, when you see the grand meta narrative, you back up and look at the big picture. You were created by God and for God. Your calling in life, your calling, your career, all that stuff. Like what's what, like your, your, your employment, the business you want to start, the, the purpose you think you have in life, that's all great, but it's secondary. Your primary thing, you were created by God and for God. So the, 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 the blank should read every single day. My primary responsibility today is to spend quality time with God. That's it. You want to have a better marriage? Spend quality time with God. You want to be a better parent? Spend quality time with God. You want to be a better coworker, better leader in your workplace? Spend quality time with God. Because if you'll get close to him, if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll draw near to him, if you'll learn from him, you will be filled with everything you need to succeed in this life. Your number one responsibility today is to spend quality time with God. So I'm telling y'all right now, you got my permission to go have a conversation with your significant other today and be selfish. Some of y'all are stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad. Some of y'all got kids clawing at you all day long. You need to have a conversation with your significant other, your spouse, and you need to say, hey, I need 30 minutes by myself every day. Can we figure out how to make that work? And that's a normal request for you. That's a normal thing to create a healthy, thriving marriage. You need alone time to spend quality time with God. This is why you need to be in a small group. This is why you need to go to culture class. You need encouragement in your relationship with God because from here flows all the health in your life. The health of every relationship will be directly correlated to the health of your relationship with God. You need to do whatever it takes. That's why you need to be in church. You need to be in church not because of your kids. That's a byproduct. 
You need to be in church because every week your soul needs to be encouraged to spend quality time with God. It is the most important thing. If you want to build a better marriage, you got to spend quality time with God. You got you to focus on the triangle. You got to come together and say, no matter what, we're going to encourage each other to build the strongest relationship with God we can. And we're going to trust that that individual work that we've got to do, that it's going to actually build something special between us. And I want to show you how this concept can answer 90% of questions that you ever come across in marriage. All right, over the past couple of weeks, we've had, we've had over 100 questions submitted from y'all about how to apply this content to your specific situation. And I can't answer all of them. And, and some of them that are really, really specific and detailed, I'm gonna do my best to get back to you at some point in the next week. But I do wanna show you how this concept can actually answer like nine out of 10 issues that you ever come across in marriage, all right? The questions we, we received can all fall into one of three buckets. Every question we received is either how to prepare for marriage, how to survive marriage, or how to thrive in marriage, okay? How to prepare, how to survive, how to thrive. And I wanna show you how applying the triangle concept of a relationship, you, your spouse, and God can actually help you in every single season. How to prepare, all right, how to prepare. We had so many questions, I was so pumped. So many questions from so many young single adults in this church. Um, and I love it because I remember three years ago, a little over three years when I first got here, I was one of the only single, or young adults, not single. I was one of the only young adults, and I was not young. I was 35. Me and Jared Smith, I think, were the only two. And Jared was like 21. And God is just growing this amazing crowd of young adults at our church, and it's just so beautiful, and I love it. And so we, had, we had so many questions coming through. I also did, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you, to be honest, I need to issue a public apology to all the single uh, young guys in our church. I did um, do something that, I caught some heat for it. And um, there was a couple weeks ago, if you were here, we did, a, we did an illustration involving a bench press and a pull-up. And I had these two guys on stage uh, to help me. They were cranking out pull-ups and cranking out bench press, and their biceps were just, I mean, pumping. Just, I mean, they, they look good up here doing this, right? Um, the problem is they were already married and they already had kids, and I had some young single guys in our church that were like, hey, next time you do an illustration that's gonna show off some biceps, can you please hook a single dude up? <laughs> I'm trying to find a girl here. Those guys are already married and already having sex. They're good. Don't let them, don't give them any more props. <laughs> next time, I, I apologize to my single guys, next time I will, I will be mindful of your presence in our church. Great questions, like how should the idea of having preferences affect me as I'm looking for a marriage partner? Um, how do you know what things to compromise on as I'm looking for a spouse? How do I decide if this person is the one? When is the right time to get married? All these beautiful preparation questions. I want you to go back to the triangle, okay? As a single person, your number one filter for whether or not they are marriage material should be, are they growing closer to God? It's the number one indicator as to whether or not your marriage is going to succeed. It's the number one indicator as to whether or not they're a healthy person for you. Are they growing closer to God? I'm telling you, it should be your number one filter. Even more, and I know this is gonna sound crazy to some of you, that should be your number one filter even more than physical attraction. Physical attraction, I, I know it, I know it, it has a place. But I'm telling you, I've seen this for too long. I've seen it in, in the lives of people we love. I've seen it in the lives of people in our church that they, they, they end up falling for someone just because they look good. There are too many young women who have fallen for a dude because he has biceps. Too many young men who have fallen for a girl because she looked good in yoga pants. 
And I'm telling you right now, just because they fine, don't mean they fine for you. You need to prioritize their spiritual life if you wanna have a good marriage. If you wanna avoid years and years and years of frustration, it needs to be. It's not that physical attraction doesn't matter at all, but you need to see, do they have a, a growing relationship with God? If so, there's potential here. And, 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 and you know, if, if you're dating right now and you're thinking, man, is this the right time to get married? Well, let me ask you, are you together both growing closer to God? Is it, is it actually helping you in your relationship with God? Like when Brittany and I started dating, man, I didn't know anything about faith and she was teaching me, she was helping me grow spiritually. She was hot to boot, but she was actually helping my relationship with God, right? First and foremost, and, and, and I, I knew I needed it. Is your, is your significant other, are they actually helping you? Or are they pulling you away? And I know, I know, I know. I know some of y'all are like, man, as a young single person, Petey, you don't know how cold it is out here. You don't know how barren the wasteland is of good, eligible bachelors and bachelorettes. So like, how do I even find somebody? I'm saying, go back to the triangle. Go back to the triangle. If you aren't dating right now, put your head down and focus on your relationship with God. Grow closer to him. And, and you know what? As you grow closer to God as a, as a young single person, you know what God's gonna have you do? Most likely, God's gonna have you pour into and invest into his church. He's gonna have you serving. He's gonna have you on ministry teams. He's gonna have you in small groups. I'm telling you, put your head down for like three months and just serve, serve, serve. Give, give, give. Grow in your relationship with God. Then like three months in, lift your head up and look around. You see anybody cute? You see anybody that's doing what you're doing? Oh, cool. You got like one, two, three, four. He's all right. She's all right. Four. Okay. okay. Now put your head back down. Serve, grow, build the church, focus on your relationship with God. Give it three or four months. Lift your head back up. Of those four people, how many are still there? He's gone. She's gone. Gone. Ooh, there's one. That person's still there. Ooh, they're cute. They're serving. They're growing. Okay. Put your head back down. Serve, serve, serve. Grow, grow, grow. Build the church, grow in your relationship with God, give it three or four months, lift your head back up. Are, is, is that one person still there? If so, it's time to move in for the kill. <laughs> and I can't teach you how to spit game, all right? That's a different sermon. That's, that's how to spit game God's way is a different sermon for a different day. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a million dollars worth of game for $9.99 in the middle of a sermon. I can't, I can't go that route, but, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If they, you, single people, you need to hear this, you need to apply this to your life. If the person you are interested in cannot be faithful to God's house for nine months, you want them to be faithful to you for a lifetime? If they can't serve and give up themselves and stay committed to something for nine months, you want them raising your kids? Come on, get out of here. Avoid a lifetime of pain and let the triangle, let God in his relationship with you and in, in your investment in the church be the best pond you could ever fish in. Be, let, let it be the ultimate litmus test. And I know, I know, I know some of you are like, man, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Don't give up. Do not lower your standards. Stay focused on God. Grow closer to him and trust that he will come through and give you the desires of your hearts. Keep trusting, keep going, keep applying the triangle, all right? Now, how to survive, how to survive. Next bucket. How to survive. I want you to see how this um, the triangle actually will help you even if you're in survival mode. Now, I want to be very clear about something. If you are in a situation, and we had a percentage of questions that came through that were very, very uh, serious. Um, and I would say it's not surviving marriage. Some of the questions that came through were surviving 
in life. There are some people in this church right now who are in extremely abusive situations. Uh, it's sexually abusive. It's verbally abusive. It's, 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 it's emotionally, it's physically abusive. There may be you in this room right now, they're in relationships where you are being cheated on every single week. And I want you to understand, if you're in, a, in an abusive relationship, you need to get out. God calls us to faithfulness and he wants us to avoid divorce if at all possible, but there are grounds where the covenant is broken and abuse is one of them. And if you're being abused or if you feel like you're in a borderline abusive situation, man, don't suffer in silence. Let us know, let us help you. We've got a million ways you can let us know anonymously, apart from your spouse, right? Without their knowledge, you can DM us on social media. You can send us an email. You can come up for prayer at the end. There's so many ways. Do not suffer in silence. God does not want you to be in a marriage that is actually putting you in survival mode for your life. Get help. We got you. We love you. God wants more for your life. Now, that was a, that's a percentage of questions. Most of the questions in this bucket are not surviving for your life. It's surviving marriage. Most of the questions in this bucket are just like, marriage sucks. What do I do? <laughs> marriage is crappy, how do I figure this out? And, and, and it was very real questions, right? Uh, questions like, how do you stay married? How do you truly forgive and show grace to your spouse? How do you choose to love them even when it doesn't make sense or it's hard to? How do you get your spouse to wanna work on your marriage when they don't see that there's anything wrong? How do I get my partner to see that something hurt my feelings when they don't think it's that big of a, of a deal? Those are hard, hard questions. Those are survival questions. And I want you to go back and apply the triangle because here's the truth. Many times in your marriage, Every single marriage in this room will go, will go through a season where the triangle gets wonky. One of you is growing closer to God and the other is really, really far away. One of you is doing whatever they can to be the man or the woman you've been called to be and the other is way, 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 way off. You need to apply the triangle. If you're not in an abusive situation, if you're not being cheated on, that, all that's grounds for divorce. If marriage is just hard and your spouse isn't really carrying their weight, you need to be faithful and put your head down and focus on your relationship with God. You need to grow closer to him. You need to let him teach you. I'm telling you, if you're in a marriage where you are not being loved the way that you deserve to be loved, I am so sorry that you're experiencing that. And I wanna offer you the comfort that God knows better than anyone what it's like to not receive the love that he deserves. Nobody can teach you what it's like to suffer through someone else's mistakes, someone else's uh, rejection, someone else's uh, lack of affection. No one can teach you how to do that better than God who stretched his arms out on a cross to die for people that wouldn't even believe in him. He can teach you. You need patience for your spouse? Draw close to God and you'll learn how much patience he has for you. You need to be able to forgive your spouse, draw close to God. He'll, he'll give you all the forgiveness you need, all the grace you need to show to your spouse. I'm telling you, you draw close to him and he will give you whatever you need to get through this. And you don't know, you don't know how God's gonna use your faithfulness. I believe there are people in this room, people watching online right now, that the reason you were put on this earth is not to lead thousands to Jesus in a revival. The reason you were put on this earth, your mission, is that you are meant to show the long haul, unfailing, faithful love of God to your spouse by long haul, loving, faithful endurance in your marriage. And you don't know if that long haul faithfulness and endurance is actually the thing that's gonna save their soul. That actually might be the thing that leads them to Jesus. Then the halls of heaven one day, they're gonna tell the story about how you displayed the love of God in such a way that the world had never seen before. You just keep close to God. You keep thriving. You keep, you, you keep drawing near to him and he will give you everything you need. And I'm telling you, if both of you can do it though, like the, the triangle's wonky, 
If you want to thrive, both of you get together today and say, hey, I'm committed. Are you committed? You're committed? Great. Let's both be committed to doing whatever we can to draw close to God. And if you do, you will thrive. We had so many thriving questions that came through. Questions like, how can I encourage my husband to lead our family in prayer? How can I be intentional in connecting with my spouse on a weekly basis? How can we be better listeners? Uh, Any advice for married couples with a new baby? Biggest advice you give to a newlywed couple? How do you strengthen the relationship when your spouse is deployed? All those thriving questions, go back to the triangle. Make it the conversation you have on a weekly basis. How's your relationship with God? How are you doing? And if you'll both come to this agreement, I'm telling you, you can work through anything. You can thrive through anything. If you've got questions as to whether or not um, um, uh, um, how to handle finances, right? This is a question that came through. Uh, several people were like, how, how do I figure out how to build a, a, a healthy financial relationship uh, with my spouse? If both of you say, hey, let's go our separate ways for a second. Let's stop fighting about it. Let's stop lobbing grenades at each other. Let's go apart and let's read God's word on how he says to handle finances. Let's go and let's, let's both journal and let's pray and let's ask God to reveal to us what we need to do with our finances. And then let's come together and let's talk about what God's teaching us. All of a sudden, you will find that nine out of 10 problems get solved. When you're both trying to grow close to God and you both individually are, are growing, you're gonna grow closer to each other. It is how to thrive. And I'm telling you all of this, I'm telling you that in every season you're in, whether a season of preparation, a season of survival, or a season of thriving, I'm telling you that this works. This will build a better marriage for you, and I say that as a satisfied customer. I say that as someone that I was taught this at the age of 18 when we first started dating, and and, and we've done a lot of things wrong in our marriage. We've gotten a lot messed up, but this has kept us together. This has allowed us to navigate every season. And do not think for a second that marriages in this room aren't in survival mode. Every marriage in this room will go through a season of preparation and throughout their marriage, they will go through seasons of surviving and thriving. That's why you said for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, for better and for worse. My wife and I were on a, we're on a walk the other night and we are talking about this concept together and um, we were adding up the years. How long have we been in each season? How long, like we, we, we dated for four years and we've been married, uh, this coming Friday will be uh, our 16 year anniversary. Can't wait to celebrate it, yeah. It's gonna be a good night. Yes, sir. And I want you to understand when we were on that walk and we were talking through our seasons, we spent four years dating. That was our preparation season. And then 16 years, you want to know how many years we're in survival mode and how many years we're in thriving? It was a 50-50 split. Eight years of surviving and about eight years of thriving. For eight years, you know, and, and, it, and it wasn't even continuous. It was broken up because it's seasons. Marriage goes through valleys and mountaintops. I mean, for two years, we were figuring out how to deal with me going through depression and losing my mind and turning to all kinds of things to medicate and nearly destroying our marriage. For two years, we wrestled through that. And then my wife has had postpartum depression with every single child she's had. So, but, and and the, the wrestling with it is about two years with each child. So two, four, six, eight, we got about eight years in survival mode. 
and then about eight years in, in thriving. And right now we're in a season of thriving, and it's, it's beautiful, but I'm telling you, it's, you are not going to avoid hard times. You are not going to avoid seasons where you have to just survive. But if you will keep this concept in mind, if you will understand that God does not want you to have a mediocre marriage, God's desire is to lead you through the valleys and to lead you through the mountaintops. God's desire is that you'd have a marriage that, 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 that when, when, when you can look back on it years down the road, you can go, man, we've been through so much. And the same thing that Brittany and I started saying to each other a couple months ago, we've been through so much and I wouldn't trade any of it. I wouldn't trade the seasons of survival. I wouldn't trade it for anything. The seasons of surviving make the seasons of thriving even sweeter. Right? You could have that kind of marriage. God wants that for you. That's why Jesus says in John chapter 10, I have come that they may have life, life to the full, life abundance. He don't want you to have a mediocre marriage. Come on, Jesus lived, he came and lived on this earth to show you a better way to love. God became flesh. He lived to show you how to love. He died, he stretched out his arms on the cross to help you be forgiven of every marital mistake you've ever made. There's nothing you've done in your marriage that God cannot forgive. There's nothing that you're doing right now that God cannot forgive. There's nothing that you, your spouse is doing right now that God cannot give you the love to forgive. He stretched out his arms so that you could be forgiven of every issue. And let me tell you, he resurrected from the dead. He resurrected from the dead to show you that no matter how dead you think your marriage is with him, nothing's ever dead. He can resurrect anything. I had someone came to me after last service and she said, her first time in church, and she said, Pete, my marriage is dead but I'm, I have a glimmer of hope now. I'm believing and I'm praying that God can resurrect the dead. If he can resurrect himself from the dead, he can resurrect my marriage. I'm telling you, no matter how bad your marriage is, if you will commit to growing, if you commit to the triangle, if you commit to growing close to him, he can do anything. But you need to understand, it starts with you individually making a decision to follow Jesus. It starts with you individually. If your life has been off track, if you've been in church all your life, but for whatever reason you've backed away, it starts with you saying, God, I'm back and I'm ready to follow you and I'm ready to grow. And, and I actually wanna give you the chance to make that decision before God because I, I, I wanna set up something for you. I wanna set up a moment for you uh, over lunch or over dinner tonight with your spouse. I want you to be able to look at your spouse and say, I'm committed to getting this right but the way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do whatever I can to get this right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw myself into it. I'm gonna be in church. I'm gonna read the Bible. I'm gonna start a prayer life. I don't even know how to pray, but I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna do whatever I can to make this right, and I'm just gonna pray that you feel it, that you sense it, that you receive the benefits of me becoming who God has created me to be. It starts with you. And so would you stand with me to your feet and let's enter into a time of decision and response today like we do every single Sunday. If you're with us online, you can do the same. We have many people that are making decisions online. You can do the exact same with us. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes to create privacy for those in the room. We believe that every great life change begins in a private moment between you and God. And so right now, if you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus up to this point, you, you walked in here not even sure if you're in, but you know he's calling you. You know that he's offering his unconditional love and forgiveness to you. You just need to receive it. You need to make that decision. You don't have to have your life figured out. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to, to, to have your life cleaned up even. 
you just got, you, you just got to be ready to say yes to the journey, to starting this journey with Jesus. If that's the decision you want to make today, to become a follower of Jesus, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private decision between you and God. One, two, three. It's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. All right, if you're here and you, maybe you've just fallen off track, maybe you, <clears throat> maybe you followed God a long time ago, maybe you made that decision a long time ago, but you know today's the day he's calling you back, back into a relationship with him, back to follow him, and you wanna recommit your life to Jesus. Again, you don't have to clean it up first. You don't have to figure it all out. You just gotta be ready to say, Jesus, I'm back in. I'm back in. Whatever you've got for me, I'm ready. If that's the decision you wanna make today, to recommit your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private decision between you and God. One, two, three. It's beautiful, hands up all over the room. That's incredible, Jesus. Awesome, you can put your hands down. Let's pray together and ask God to do this transformative work inside of us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done in our church over the past four weeks. We pray right now that it would bear fruit for months and years to come. God, we pray right now for every, every first-time decision that was made today, the several hands that went up across both services. We pray that you would help them to take the steps they need to solidify that decision to pray with someone, to let them know. God, we thank you for the recommitment decisions. God, give them the courage to tell their significant other about this, to tell somebody that they're committing their lives to you. And Jesus, we thank you that you did not leave us down here to just figure it out on our own, but you came to live, to show us how to love. You came and died so that we could be, could, could, could be forgiven. And you're resurrected from the dead to show us that anything is possible with you. And so God, we pray that you would make the impossible possible, that you would redeem marriages, that you would prepare singles, that you would comfort widows, that you would do what only you could do. We trust you with it. It's in Jesus' name we pray together by saying amen, amen. Come on, let's sing and let's celebrate what God's doing in our church right now. Come on, let's go. Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.